0: Hello and welcome to another NL full-time podcast. Uh, we go again, as everybody says in football, and sometimes I can't believe it was a week since we did the last one. I can't believe it's a couple of months already since we had uh, our, our, our next guest on as well. But uh, time flies, doesn't it? Um, definitely across all the games in the National League, I know because I saw him talking about him on my TV earlier, is uh, Aaron McLean. How are you doing, Aaron? Very well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, fantastic! Great to see you again. You're enjoying your football this season. Um, I I I a bit like uh, Adam Summerton and uh, Matt Smith. Now you can add uh, European string to your bow, can't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's been a good week. Let's say, um, <laughs> did my first Champions League co this week, and yeah, it's 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 been brilliant. You know, you you're always looking for progression. In whatever you're doing, and you know, for, for TNT to to feel that I'm capable to go and, and cover the Champions League, and you know, and two two teams that are totally foreign to me, you know, Real Sociedad and Benfica, which I don't obviously cover e- either of those their leagues. So for them to trust me to go and, and cover that game, and the feedback that I got from from the producers and, and my fellow co-, co my fellow commentator was very good and very encouraging. So, yeah, um, I'm happy.
0: Oh, that's great to see you progressing, Aaron. And I'll tell you how humble Aaron is, listeners. Um, he contacted me proactively last week to say congratulations on uh, on making your Match of the Day debut. That was, of course, in the, uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, so thank you very much for your good wishes as well, Aaron. Um, coming on to yesterday's games, there is only one place to start. I don't know quite how... TNT Sports missed this one in their planning for the TV live games. But uh, we'll come on to the game you're at shortly, Aaron. But number one against number two in the National League. Chesterfield at home to Barnett. And uh, tell us how it went.
1: Yeah, well, you look at you look at the game and it was a massive six-pointer. You know, if, if Barnet could have won that game, they closed the gap and it's all to play for. Chesterfield win the game, then they go five points clear with a game in hand. So there was a lot riding on it, but Barnett, I think they hit the bar at nil-nil. Um, potentially could have taken the lead with a couple of other half chances. But once Chesterfield got their noses in front and, and opened the scoring, it was only going one way. And with Chesterfield, you know they're always going to score goals. They've got so many different goal scorers. They've got so many different creators in their team. That it's very, very difficult to, to keep them quiet. And like you say, once they scored their, their first goal, they ended up running out. They ended up running out four or two winners, but they were, they were leading by four goals, and, and the game was already dead and buried by the time Barnett finally got on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the chances in the games, both teams had plenty of chances. And obviously, Chesterfield outscored Barnett. But as you say, if they could have taken the lead early on, as they threatened to do twice, it could have been a different story because they're not a nice side to play when you're chasing the game, Barnett. So uh, um, on that occasion, Chesterfield come out on top and you, as you rightly point out, Barnett would have gone top if they'd got a win. Just coming to uh, our other guest who, shame on me, got so carried away chatting to you, Aaron, I have forgotten to introduce, how <laughs> could I forget the unforgettable Dickie Wharton um, Dickie, what did you make of that one yesterday? Chesterfield and Barnett, um, you know, did Chesterfield just really confirm the, the fact that 99.5% of the people who watch the National League think they're going to win this league this year?
2: You would think so, wouldn't you, based on on what we've seen? I think I'm sure I've seen a stat today that suggests that Chesterfield are already... Um, a certain number of points better off than Wrexham were at this stage last season, and that if Our they point. continue five, if they continue to pick up points at this rate, they could actually better that record-breaking points haul that Wrexham got last season. Um, I mean, Barnet are a, are a good side, and, and certainly, you know, I think they'll 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 hang in there and they'll you know hope for any slip-ups, but it does feel a little bit as though they are genuinely just having to wait to see if Chesterfield falter rather than genuinely pushing them. Um, but, you know, that can all change. I mean, Chesterfield have got a big FA Cup tie coming up, but they're on the crest of a wave at the moment. You know, they they don't look as if they're, um, uh, they're, they're troubled by anybody in this league particularly, and, you know, they're, they're looking formidable.
0: Yeah, And it's testimony to just how well they're doing. They're on track building on that point you said for 120 points at the moment um they now have a five point lead over Barnet. there's then five points down to the team in third place that we're going to come to with Aaron in just a moment but but Barnett actually have a 14 point buffer um in terms of making sure that they make the playoffs which which is tremendous for them um they of course went out last season at the um eliminator stage didn't they so if they can finish second or third uh, Barnet Aaron then they'll be one step further than they made last year with a home game so it's not the end of the world for Dean Brennan's team is
1: it? Not at all you know but I think Dean Brennan would have looked at his his squad this year and said right you know what we're probably not going to win it but as long as we can whoever does win it as long as we can run them close and the biggest thing is getting to the end of the season and being in good form. That's really what you want. You want to be going into those playoffs in good form. And I feel like last season we saw teams almost limp into the playoffs. You know, we saw the likes of Bromley, Woken, were winning games as they got into the playoffs. And it, make, it makes a difference the, how you feel, how players feel going into it, the confidence within the dressing room, knowing that you can go out and you're going to win games that makes a difference when you get to those playoff stages so that's going to really be the the key for dean brennan is can he keep his team consistent and winning games the way that they have so far this season and and not let a, a defeat to probably the the who's going to win the title don't let that derail your season
0: now i haven't checked twitter really since the uh, games finished yesterday were you tempted to go with a tweet yet or not
1: I was tempted. I must say I was tempted, but I cover Chesterfield on Saturday. If they go on and beat Southend on Saturday, then I think that they, they could get the tweet. It's been requested for weeks and weeks now. And I've held off, held off. And because yesterday I just thought, you know what? I, if I do it, it's going to be late because I'm obviously covering the, the stagenham Hill game. So, mm. sorry, oh, sorry. Um, So I thought, you know what, I'm I'm covering them next week. If they go and beat Southend at at Roots Hall, then, yeah, they deserve it. They probably deserve it now, but I'm just making them wait a little bit longer.
0: That's it. Keeping your powder dry. Um, If we had a a group of Chesterfield fans on with us now, which we don't, they would cite one good reason why Chesterfield might not win it. And that's the fact that Chesterfield have a massive history of blowing up, of getting into good situations and then falling away. It's very difficult to see that happening with the quality of their squad, with the strength of their squad this season. But certainly uh, a big step towards it on Saturday for Chesterfield with that 4-2 win against Barnett. Let's come on to the game that you were at then, um, Aaron, because it was intriguingly set up, wasn't it? Dagenham and Redbridge have been struggling. They were losing a lot of games late on, and they just turned that round in recent weeks. They've had a little bit of an uplift in the table at the same time as their opponents, Solihull Moors, had just had a difficult month or six weeks, hadn't they? And prior to the game uh, yesterday, Solihull Moors had some some more bad news, didn't they? Share that with us, if you can, and, and also tell us what you made of the
1: game. Yeah, so Solihull lost their goalkeeper, their goalkeeper Simkin, who was on loan from Stoke was recalled um, and literally Solihull had a couple of hours to try and get a goalkeeper Friday night. They weren't able to, to get one, you know, they'd spoken to a few clubs, but you know, 3rd they're trying to get either a third choice goalkeeper, which would be traveling with, with whichever club he's at. So they, that wasn't possible. And then they're scratching around trying to look for, for, um, goalkeepers that are out of contract you know and even that that's not ideal you know so they oh. went with a young boy um Flahaven which Aaron Flahaven and he was brilliant i thought he was outstanding for for somebody who's on non contract hasn't played a senior game and i think he's 19 years old to mm. and he's not the biggest you know you look at him in, in the goal and he he doesn't feel the goal at all, but what he what he lacked in in stature, he definitely made up for in confidence. Because I think after thirty seconds, he's down at the feet of, of F Young, uh, who's a big imposing figure. He's coming out and try you know he's coming out to punch things. He almost got caught in his goalways. His crest turned one of the, I think it might be even Innie or, or Freddie Sears, one of those, but he just looked confident. You know, as the game progressed, you could see him grow. You could see the team grow in their belief, you know, and, and confidence in him. And you got to say Morrison and, and Steerman were outstanding, you know, in front of him for, for Solihull. And it was a game that they, they had to ride their luck at times. Dagenham and redbridge hit the bar three times i think it was in the game um and would definitely have felt that they they didn't deserve to be on the losing losing side at least get a get a point from the game but two absolutely worldly strikes <laughs> Them-
0: unbelievable unbelievable they I would say they were almost symmetrical, but one was absolutely arrowed, and the other one was curled a bit, wasn't it? But uh, yeah. uh, for, for me, the first goal, the equaliser for Sadio, was ben. the best one.
1: Yeah, Day Ben's goal was because it, it, as it comes across, you know, um, for for him to strike it with his laces the way he does, and it's rising the whole way up. Now, normally those. Those shots, especially from, from wide players or, you know, wingbacks, those normally end up on the motorway or in the car park somewhere. But it's hit it so sweetly that it's hit the top corner of the net, still on the rise. And that's up there for goal of the season for me. You know, the technique that's needed. It When you watch it, it looks easy. I can tell you now that is one of the most difficult skills to hit the ball coming across your body to hit it so sweetly for it to constantly be on the rise and you still keep it low uh, and go on the underside of the bar. That is fantastic technique and a goal that was definitely worthy of winning any game. It was only the equaliser, but lucky for them, Josh Kelly popped up with an absolute worldie of his own to, to win the game for them.
0: It was. Josh Kelly's goal would have been the goal of the game in any other game but that one. Uh, quite staggering. A bit of a challenge, I think, to the Solihull Moors media team when they put the highlights out. If they can actually somehow, a bit like Soccer AM, actually impose a couple of bins, one on each corner of the goal, I think both those strikes will probably find them. Um, just a final word on the the young goalkeeper. I'm going to be honest, and I'm obviously on the media side of things, but I personally, I'm not a big fan of having cameras in dressing rooms. I know it's something has been experimented with for a number of years now by Satanta and by BT and now by TNT. And it's here to stay, I'm sure. But that for me was the best dressing room camera scene that I've ever seen when that young goalkeeper walked back into the dressing room and he looked like a boy walking into a dressing room full of men. The reception he got in that dressing room from his teammates, and I think every one of them came up and congratulated him, didn't he? On uh, on, on an incredible debut, really. I think you've hit
1: an nail on the head. the The reception and the reaction of his of his of the other players was incredible. You know, it it reminded me of me scoring my first senior goal. You know, I was a seventeen year old lad playing for in Orient. I'd scored. We'd drawn one one away at Shrewsbury, and I'd scored a diving header. And after the game, the congratulations and that I got from all all the players gave me a huge lift you know it made it meant so much and to this day i'm 40 years old now and i can still remember that moment so this is a moment that he will remember for the rest of his life and hopefully you know he goes on to have a long career like his dad did uh, a long career in the game but he will always look back and, and remember that day that he he made his debut against daggan
0: yeah well done Flahaven. um the manager was caught on the spot about him afterwards. I think he said he's got to give him his head after that. Of course, he'll be goalkeeper shopping in the week, but uh, uh, a, a quite tremendous debut that uh, ended in a win for Solihull Moores and keeps them in third place, uh, five points behind Barnett. One point behind them of Bromley, who uh, were held up uh, in one of those... Uh, one of those I'm, I'm going to call it one of the now starbies. One of the now-starbies in the National League, Boreham Wood against Bromley. Um, and uh, that one ended uh, one-all in the end. Uh, Alefo, um, Alefeo, I can't say it. I'll just say Olimola um, <laughs> put Bromley ahead on 20 minutes. He, of course, is a recent signing from Wealdstone and an astute signing there from, from Andy Woodman. But uh, Boreham Wood had their moments too. Um, they went down to... Uh, Ten men after a mate of yours um, yeah. and someone who's been on the podcast this season did something that I can only say was inexplicable. I've watched it back two or three times, um, and um, I don't know what you what you what you made of it yourself, Aaron. But um, they went down to Ten Men, didn't they, uh, Boramwood? Uh, just tell me how you how you saw the challenge by Jamal Farfield. Well,
1: it's very out of character for, for Jamal. You know, he's, he's, he's not that type of lad. And for someone who's so experienced already on a yellow card as well, you know, that could have easily just been a, a red card. I'm not even sure on 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 commentary, it sounded like it might have actually been a straight red.
0: It was um, a straight red. It was a right. straight red, and, even and, though he'd already had a yellow, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and listen, deservedly, so, you know, friend or, or, or no friend, you have to take every All situation it. on its own merit. And if if I was on the receiving end of that challenge, I would would be far from happy. So I think he'll look at it. I I don't think it was meant maliciously. I don't think he's, you know, but unfortunately on the pitch, you have to make sure that you're in control at all times. And all it needs is for one player to have that lapse in concentration when making a challenge and you can end up ending someone's career. So you have to take responsibility for that. I'm sure Jamal will. I'm sure he'll. The, the The good thing about it is, is that he didn't cause real, you know, serious damage to to the opposing player. So that's the good side of it. But he has to learn from it, and others need to learn from it as well. That you can't, those types of challenges can't and won't be accepted in in the game.
0: Yeah, and uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it wasn't in defence at all. Boramwood were on the attack and pushing for an equaliser. And then I think um, certainly how, how I saw it, um, Jamal had a slightly heavy touch on the ball, and he he has been hell bent on 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 getting to it, even though the opposition player was favourite. But and 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 I'm sure as he's as he's gone in to get it, he believed he could win the ball, but unfortunately missed the ball and and, and caught the uh, caught the Bromley player. Uh, so he had to suffer the punishment of a red card. I don't know. Um, quite how it works when you get a red and a yellow in the same game. But uh, clearly, he's going to get at least a three-match uh, ban for that, which is a shame for Jamal because he has had his injury issues this season. But on the positive side, the 10 men of Borehamwood hung in there. Uh, and if there was a goal of the day competition, then Enrico Sousa would have been in it for his equaliser, wouldn't he, Aaron?
1: He would have. And he's listen, he's been popping up with with these types of goals this season. You know, I think that's his fourth goal in five games now. And we've, listen, he, he's got ability. That's never been in question. But what has been in question is his consistency and his ability to convert chances when when they come. And this season, it's the penny seems to have dropped. You know, he now seems to be converting chances that before he would have wasted. He now seems to be making the right decision with his final ball. And he's, he's scoring goals sc- and scoring important goals. You know, that goal, that equalising goal could prove to be so valuable to Bournemouth later on in the season. So it's so good to see him finally, finally starting to live up to the expectation that that I think many had of him. Because he's a very, very talented boy. But we just wasn't seeing the consistency from him that that we're now seeing. And, and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I've seen him before and you see him, oh, he's always a tricky player. And he's not always added the end product to his game, but that was a magnificent finish. Um, Behind Bromley, and it's another four-point gap, is Altrincham, who uh, are right up there with Chesterfield in the form table. I think they may have just clocked up double figures games now, unbeaten in the National League. Um, They had to be patient against Southend, and they had to ride their luck, because Harry Cardwell had two magnificent chances to uh, give Southend the lead. Uh, but in the end, goals from Justin Amaluza and Justin Donawa uh, were just in time, weren't they? <laughs> um, Dickie, coming to you on this one, uh, terrific run of form put together by them in, uh, um, you know, the, as a full-time outfit now, uh, they really are looking to be the real deal, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they are. Apart from their FA Cup uh, qualification defeat against Oldham, that's 10 games unbeaten now for Phil Parkinson's team. Um, and again, you know, we, we've spoken many times about the fact that, you know, they've um, they found players and developed them and then they've lost those players and then Parkinson's had to go out and recruit again, but just always seems to be able to find the players that will keep them, you know, ticking over. I know they've got Alex Newby, um, on loan to them at the moment. Um, I think he's from Colchester United um, and he's enjoying life back in the northwest as well. Um, yeah, really, really good result for them yesterday. As you say, the two Justins on target, Justin Amaluza and Justin Donner, were both of whom picked up um, from fellow National League clubs, both of whom were probably not so much Amaluza because I know you, you saw a lot of him at Aldershot last season, but Justin Donner, who was very often on the fringes at Solihull, didn't really get, that many opportunities or I think also had his, a serious injury as well um, so he'll be enjoying the opportunity to just play regular football and you know it's paying off isn't it you know he's he's delivering for them
0: Absolutely um, just uh, moving on from uh, that then um, the side in sixth place and I, <laughs> I've just checked the table about six times but it actually is Aldershot Town uh, in the giddy heights of sixth place Um I don't really want to talk about them uh, too much uh, this week because they filled the show last week in the FA Cup, but it was another hard-earned three points. And before the game, I caught up with someone who's uh, clocked up an amazing milestone off the pitch. Joined by Steve Miller of BBC Hereford and Worcester before the game here at uh, the EBB, Aldershot Town against Kineminster. And just chatting to uh, you, Steve, before the game, you mentioned that you've... Uh, uh, fairly recently done a thousand kidderminster games for commentary I am staggered at that I've been doing this seven years I'm, I'm, I've done about a third of that
3: how many years have you been doing it? Well I, uh, I started with the BBC in 1988 when they opened up the radio station in Worcester so uh, moved from uh, Commercial radio across to uh, to do the commentaries, and uh, having spent time with uh, the local clubs in Worcester City, the old Bromsgrove Rovers, the old Hereford United, yeah, uh, this is my second spell with Harriers, and it's been a it's been a prolonged spell, shall we say?
0: Well, when was the first spell? It wasn't back in the young Moby days, was it?
3: Uh, it was actually before the Yagam Mulby days, it was still with the Graham Olner days. So, uh, yeah, so it was uh, going back to uh, about 94, 95 was uh, my first hour in escape. Um, and it progressed from there, really. Yeah, so it was good you, to
0: you. You mentioned it's a few years, of course, since you've been here with Kidderminster. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, and it? Lots of ups and downs, but. Uh, starting with the back end of last season was it seven eight nine wins i forget how many it was on the trot to actually get in the playoffs and win them that must have been quite staggering to prove that that can be done because not many teams have done it
3: well i've got to be honest six games to go before the end of the season i actually went on air and said there's no way harriers are going to reach the the uh, the playoffs uh, it came to the last game of the season where there were still eight or nine clubs involved who could actually you know force their way in so you know harriers uh, got the victory uh, and other results went with them and uh, And here we are in the the National League after a a, a spell of seven years away.
0: And even though the league table wouldn't back that up, particularly to look at Kidderminster have been pretty competitive in most games this season, I guess goal scoring has been the major issue.
3: Yeah, it has. I think, you know, has played some, some good football. I think, you know, so a lot of clubs have seen that. Uh, they're, they're lacking that cutting edge, in fact, in front of goal. But they don't concede goals either, you know. So, I, I know the evs Fleet and, and Gateshead got, uh, you know, put three past them in the league. Uh, and, and both of those sides look very good on the day. Uh, Harry is on their day look very good as well. But it is a case of just scoring goals.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And uh, this time around in the National League, what do you make of it? Obviously, you'll have been relieved that Wrexham and Notts County have gone. Chesterfield seem to be of similar ilk, but outside of you know, the other 23, there's not a huge difference, is there?
3: No, there's not There's not a huge difference between the, the sides you know, the, the, that we've seen so far. Certainly, there's a, a bit of a gap in quality in terms of uh, goal-scoring ability. Uh, but it, it's, it, every game's competitive, but you, you tend to look at the moment... Occupying the bottom six places of the four clubs that came up, so it takes a bit of time to get used to this league.
0: Lovely to meet and chat with you, Steve. Good. Luck. I'd, I'd hate to think how many miles that incurs. You could do a rough maths on it, couldn't you? It would be many, many thousands. All the best for today and the rest of this season. First of all, just to say, Kidderminster and Russ Penn. I almost apologised to Russ as I said it to him yesterday. I said, I'm sure I can't say anything to you. You haven't heard all season. They just don't get the rub of the green. They were so good in the second half yesterday. I don't know how they didn't score and get what would have been a well-earned point at Aldershot. But um, uh, for Aldershot, um, you'll have known with all your experience in football, Aaron, um, when you've had such a high as the 7-4 win against Swindon in the Cup, getting back down to earth the following week with a home game against bottom of the league is a lot trickier than it looks, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. You, there's, you can't replicate the adrenaline and the the move that would have been in the captain after that Swindon win, you know, they were, make no bones about it. They were outstanding, you know, by far the team of the round. Um, but then you, you then look and you say, right, we're in good form. We've just beaten a league one team. We're playing against the team bottom of the league. It's, it's very, very difficult to not go into that game complacent and not to feel like you're just going to turn up and, and, just steamroll them. And obviously Kidderminster are going into the game saying, right, let's bring them back down to earth. Which they almost did. You know, they almost did. And Kidderminster have been very unlucky this season, created a lot of chances, really struggled in front of goal when it comes to converting, converting their chances. They'll feel like they probably haven't got the rubber the green in in a few games, but listen, at this stage, you are you are where you are because that's that's where you are. That's where your your performances merit you to be. Um, but for all the shots to come out of that game and to get the three points is huge. You know, no matter how you do it, whether you deserve it or, or not, it, al- it almost helps the manager when you give a performance like that after such a, a big big win because he can now fire into a few and kind of bring a few back down to earth who might have got a little bit carried away with the with the FA Cup win. But he can do that on the back of getting three points. So it's it's almost worked out perfectly for, for Aldershot and, and, and the manager there.
0: Yeah, Tommy's been wanting a 1-0 home win all season. Believe it or not, it's Aldershot's first clean sheet at home in the National League this season. And that's on the back of one of the best home records in the National League. Aldershot have lost just once in 12 games, which is a staggering... Turnaround um, on the last few seasons. Um, Josh Stokes got the winner. In truth, Aldershot were really, really good for the first 25 and 30 minutes and could have been two or three nil up. Everything that was good going forward involved that player. And I know you get asked about him a lot on your uh, TNT Sports program, Aaron, but I just wanted to put this to you. Um, I saw on one of the Aldershot forums this morning a question and it said, um, Josh Stokes um, and I think he said Anne Laurentolage but what's the chances of us you know what's it going to take for us to still have them next season um, and um, I think the reality is I think a better question would be what's it going to take for Josh Stokes to still be at Aldershot after January isn't it? It
1: is you know as a 19 year old who scored is that 10 goals now 9 in the National League yep It's not just his goals. You know, I said it on the Highlight Show. It's not just his goals. It's his all-round play. You know, he doesn't look like someone who's just playing in the National League for the first time. He doesn't look like a player that's only 19 years old. He plays with such maturity. he's, He's got such good awareness, good balance, good finisher, knows where the back of the net is and gets himself in really good positions. So he's a player that, Listen, I know for a fact the league clubs are already looking and sniffing around him. It. It's going to be very difficult for for clubs to keep hold of him because once you get to the halfway stage, if clubs are you know looking to progress and improve their squads, and they don't want to do it on a on a huge budget, yes, you're going to look at the national league and you're going to look. People ask me all the time who are the best young players in the national league because they're all looking and he's right at the top of the list. You know, what he's been doing, the form he's shown, he's he's coming to the National League and he's just taken to it like a duck to water. And that has coincided with the the brilliant form that that all the shots have been showing. So, will he be there after January? I don't know. I would like to see him stay there all season. I'd like to see him have a full season in the National League. Really make a name for himself at this level. See how, how much he can progress because He's clearly improving constantly under Widrowington and, and in and around that team. It doesn't always, it doesn't always help to, to jump ship midway through a season. I think sometimes you see the season out and then when you go on to the next club, you go there in preseason, you get to have your whole preseason with your new teammates and you get to really bond with them and understand about the club, you know, moving away from home, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that, personally, that would be the best thing for him. But depending on the offers that come in, you know, if they come in, sometimes it's, it's difficult to turn those down.
0: I wholeheartedly concur with that, uh, Aaron. And uh, um, I guess my hope would be if anyone does come in and agree something, and it would need to be something pretty substantial... Uh, in January, that uh, they might have the good sense to uh, to loan him back to Aldershot for the rest of the season. And I hope that, uh, you know, this special group of players that Tommy Widrington's got together can, you know, complete a season together. That would be really lovely. Let's move on then. Um, Gateshead sit in the seventh position. They've stumbled somewhat after the, uh, understandably after Mike Williamson moved on to MK Dons. But uh, Rob Elliott's first home game in charge ended in a 4-0 defeat. What a turnaround. Next game up, admittedly a, a bit of a depleted um Dawkins side, but 6-0 uh, on uh, Saturday, Aaron. Um, and, and a hat-trick for Billy Chadwick. Uh, so when the top scorer, Marcus De is not available, Chadwick steps in and helps himself to do a hat-trick.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant for Gateshead. Really happy for Robbie Elliot that he got it, got that win. And so convincingly, you know, Gateshead, I, I feel that Gateshead have a a philosophy, a style of play, that when it clicks, some somebody's going to be on the end of a hiding. And we've seen it multiple times already this season. So I think it was just a case of getting over the disappointment of Mike Williamson moving on and just getting, you know, getting your head around, that, OK, right, we've got a new manager now, but we're still going to try and still do the same things because their players if you look at the, the type of player that they've got at that club, they have to play a certain way but it, for, for it to work. They've got technical, really, you know, good in tight spaces, pass and move really well. That's their style of play. That's the philosophy of, of the club now. And they have to stick to that. If you go away from that, they're, they're, they're always going to struggle. So the, it was really good to see them put that kind of performance in. For Chadwick, Chadwick doesn't start many games. You know, so for him to, to come in, and he was almost coming in to try and fill, you know, fill the void of Danango who's, who's been outstanding this season, for him to get a, a hatchet will do him the world of good. Um and it whenever you're scoring goals as a player that's almost on the fringes, it just gives everyone else confidence in you. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on a run now and be scoring scoring regularly because Players will now want to give him the ball in dangerous position because they're confident that he'll be able to put the ball in the back of the net. So a really good day on, on so many fronts for for Gateshead. For Dawkins in a tough period, you know, it's always it's always the same. Second season's always difficult. They've been on the end of a few, a few bad results. And I thought they were really well beaten by Dagenham last weekend, even though it was only 3-1 in the end. I thought Dagenham could have easily won that by five or six. So a tough moment for, for Mark White and his side, but I don't think he'll... Well, he won't change. He'll continue to just go for it. And if they conti- if they do that, once it ch- turns, they've, they've got a chance.
0: And it will turn, I'm sure, again, for Mark White's men. I think, uh, as he said himself in his post-match interview, he expected expect everybody to be tuning in to see him and effing and blinding him, but he wasn't. He was pretty calm about it. He said, sometimes in football, you've got to take defeat like men. And accept that you were outclassed on the day. And, and, and personal conversations I've had with Mark uh, in the past, with, he said, if you if you catch Gateshead on the wrong day, that's what can happen. And uh, it was the wrong day for Dawkins. A little bit of a mid-roundup uh, here. The next three, four teams in the uh, outside the playoffs, none of them could win on Saturday. FC Halifax Town uh, lost one nil at Maidenhead United. Kane Ferdinand, who's not been on the score sheet as as much. Uh, as he has in uh, recent seasons. That uh, pulled Maidenhead out of the bottom four. Uh, Rochdale were involved in a thriller at Wealdstone. Uh, Jack Cook, we need to get you on this podcast, player of the season last season for Wealdstone. He scored early on in the game. He got an assist as well, and he propped up, uh, popped up 90 plus five with a headed winner to um, Certainly the man of the match there on the day for Wealdstone, who in the week, announced uh, plans for a new stadium. Um, tentative at this stage, but uh, I caught up with the Wildstone media manager, Chris Woods, who gave us his uh, take on that. Hi,
4: Rob. So, yeah, on the stadium plans, obviously the, the council of the club have a really good working relationship with the council. Um, they are, they've been allocated a site, so nothing's been, obviously, approved or, or signed off. I mean, we're getting a brand new stadium right away. But they've um, allocated the site to us to uh, explore the avenue of building the stadium there. Obviously, the need for the move comes from, we, obviously we love playing at Grove Vale, and we've really, really expanded and then really got the community behind the club in Ryslip. Um, but we just can't really nail down a long-term lease, which will help us develop the ground further and ultimately, you know, create facilities that will attract investors into the club to further help our growth. So that's, you know, massively why we're still a part-time club at the moment as well, because we cannot afford to go full-time at the moment, because our infrastructure's um, still in that development phase. So um, it's it's mainly to do with that. They still, the club still want a positive relationship with our landlords at Grosvenor Vale anyway, because... Um, I think they want to. It's, it's a it's a massive site and it's it's used by a lot of our youth teams and it's the, the community really really use it a lot, um, especially these kids football clubs. So, yeah, it's good with that, and I think the club wants to continue that too because, as I said, they've really grown in Ryecroft and really got the community there behind the football club uh, since moving there um all them years ago and the location obviously it's, it's still within the borough of Hillingdon. it's not very far to be fair from where grosvenor vale is now um so the site is just opposite Hillingdon station so it's got good transport links um it's still within the borough it's it's still within that community we've we've, we've grown into so yes it's further away from the club's natural home in wildstone in the borough of harrow but i think the, the club sees a, a, a bigger and better future in where we where we are now just because again that that community is really galvanized and got behind the club and we've really expanded and grown there so i think the location's great due to all them factors really really grown it's still growing but i think we can only grow so much in, in in grove Naval unfortunately, as it's as good of a home as it's been to us. So, yeah, I think that's the the sort of the main thing. I don't know the ins and outs of how we'll raise funds. And, yeah, it's it's just it it seems like the best thing to do at the moment to push the club forward because we want to be full-time and then continuing on from that, we want to be in the Football League and, and we want to stay in the Football League. So... Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, exciting times, but it's still early days.
0: That was Chris Woods and Aaron. you would have been to uh, Grosvenor Vale, I'm sure. Um, Just a quick uh, thought from you on Wealdstone. You've got to applaud the ambition to move on to better and and, and bigger and better things.
1: Absolutely. You know, they're they're one of a few teams that aren't full-time at the moment, but you can see the ambition at the club. You know, the the manager and, and his assistant signed new contracts not too long ago. You know the, they play a, a really good brand of football. Want to play football? What you say? Play football the right way. Get the ball down and, and, and pass it. Play through the lines and score beautiful goals. And it's it's a club that uh, I think are overachieving. You know they they overachieved last season, and I think they continuously do that. So it's really good to hear that they want to go that next step, get a new stadium, and, and continue to to build because it's a it's a fantastic fantastic club, and it's it's brilliant to see what they're doing down there.
0: Good stuff. Uh, York won 2-0 at Files. Uh, that pulled them out of the relegation positions. Um, Oldham and Eastley drew one all. But the point I want to come to, just to finish off on the National League, and, and congratulations by the way to Oxford City, who beat Woking 3-2. Um, a bit of a comeback late on from, from Woking, but it wasn't enough. Um, Amund on the score sheet twice. Uh, but... Uh, uh, a couple of very, very difficult moments for Jasker Line and the Woking keeper, that we won't dwell on. But yeah, with York beating filed 2-0, uh, with Ebsleet uh, getting a point at Hartlepool and uh, and that with a very late goal, it leaves us in a situation now, Aaron, where the teams in 21st, 22nd, 23rd and 24th place are the four teams that came up from the National League North and South last season. Um, what do you make of that?
1: It's, I'm not surprised, if I'm honest. I think that the, the National League has continuously got stronger and stronger. Um, and it's very difficult for those newly promoted teams to come up and have the, the level of consistency that we've seen by so many. You know, I, I, I do think that for, for the likes of Filed, for the likes of Kidderminster, I think they've struggled to acclimatise to this level. It absolutely had a very very good start, and with a f- you you get a few injuries, and all of a sudden you start to realise you know what, maybe we don't have as many national league players as as we would have hoped. I think you know having Don Podium missing for a period of time is gonna you know any team losing their main main goal for at any stage of the season is they're gonna feel the feel the pinch, and they've, they've been unlucky with injuries. I think. But for them, you know, I think they're something like 12 games with maybe one win, one win in 12 or something like that. Unfortunately, that's not going to be good enough to keep you in the division. You know, they started off really well, but they've not been able to, to maintain that consistency. Oxford had a good period of seven games where they batted Hartlepool, they batted Bournemouth. Seven games unbeaten, but since then, it's, I think it's something like two wins in 10 games, something like that. So the consistency for the newly promoted teams just isn't there at the moment. And in order to be able to stay at this level, I think they're probably going to have to look to try and strengthen and bring in players that are ready to play at, at the National League level. Because like I say, the standard has is going up each season. The, the level of player that's coming into the National League is improving each season and you can't afford to have too many in your team or in your squad that aren't quite up to the level. Otherwise, you you pay the price for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dicky. just coming to you on this one, we've always talked about how tough the National League North is. But when we look particularly focusing on Fylde and on Kidderminster, who've come up from there, Something I've noticed, uh, and I think you covered last week on the pod, is that last week the top two in the National League North were um, two sides in Tamworth and South Shields that have just come up to that division and they sit top of that division. So I don't know what to make of it or what do you make of it?
2: I do wonder, yeah, possibly. um, It's not as strong as we perhaps think it is. I mean, it, it... with what we've just said with, when you look at how Fylde Kid and Kidderminster are doing, you know, if either of Tamworth or South Shields were to actually maintain their progress and, and, you know, get promoted this season, you're talking about a team having made a two division jump in the space of two seasons and looking at how hard Falder and Kidderminster are finding it, you wonder just how difficult it might be for them. I know, I think Altrincham maybe did that or, or had two seasons in the North, I have to say, but it, it, it Maybe we're going to have to sort of like reappraise this in in that it was a difficult league and it, it was a tough league, but maybe the quality of the league wasn't there, and maybe we've been fooled slightly by the fact that everybody in the division was was quite similar, but the but it the, it was the quality that was lacking, and then maybe that's what's being found out now.
0: I think you've got maybe you know we're grouping these four teams together, but. Um, maybe you've got to look at them all on their individual merits. I mean, Ebsfleet certainly looked the part at the start of the season, and as you say, Aaron, they've lost on Polian for a, a good degree of matches. And and any team, even a good good sides, when they go through three or four games without a win, confidence levels can can drop. Oxford City are probably slightly the exception. You know, as we as we ask this question, they've just beaten uh, a Woking side three uh, two. That's an excellent win for them. They move up within the relegation places. And AFC Fard, I don't really know quite what to make of them. They've obviously changed their manager already this season. They were poor on the day that I saw them. Um, But they beat Gateshead 4-0 last week. Um, So consistency is undoubtedly one of the issues. But filed on their their day, they don't have an issue on their day of scoring goals, do they? So uh, um, all these four (laughs) teams (laughs) are...
1: It's whether the day comes regular, regular enough. That's the issue, you know. the The word consistency is, it's huge because no matter where you, what level you're challenging at, if you're challenging at the top of the division, you have to be consistent to stay up there because in this division, anyone can beat anyone. You know, it's been proven. You look at uh, Oxford, a newly promoted team batter Bournemouth 4-0, batter Hartlepool, I think 5-2. Like, but they're freak, they're freak results. They're not, they're not results that you're seeing Chesterfield producing. Chesterfield will go and beat someone 4-0 and then go and win 3-0 and then go and win 4-1. That's the consistency level. If you want to like stay in this division Unless you're a, someone like a maidenhead who have got a wily old fox at the helm, who know how to dig out results when they really need to, know how to mix it up and change the way the way they play. And that's another thing. These teams are last season were playing the way that they play and being successful at it. Now, when you come into the National League, you're facing different challenges. So you have to be able to adapt the style of play. You can't just play how you did last season because you're playing against a a better level of opposition are those players able to change within the game or change for for who they're playing against at the moment i think they're being found out more often than not
0: it's uh, a discussion we've we've never had before on on this podcast so listeners forgive us embellishing somewhat on it um i'm gonna put my neck out and say i don't think all four of them will go down Interestingly, chaps, if we all got one pick of a team out of those four that won't go down, I'm going to go with Ebsfleet. Um, Aaron, I know you've got connections there. You've been there in the past, but even putting that aside, who would you go for?
1: I'd go Ebsfleet. I think Ebsfleet have got players to come back from injury. And I think that they've probably got, out of the four teams, looking at their squad, I think that they're probably best placed to be able to... To go and add to the quality that they've already got, I think that they'll be able to, they'll definitely be able to do enough to stay up. But how far up they they can go, I think for them it's just about making sure that you stay in the division this year, and then you you assess it again in the summer.
0: And Dickie, as uh, as, as Aaron and I have both touted Ebbsfleet, perhaps a fairer question to you would be of the two sides that have come up from the National League North, Kidderminster. Uh, with the Wiley manager themselves in uh, Rust, Penn or Filed, uh, perhaps less consistent, but with new management as well. Which of those sides do you think is best place to stay in the division this season?
2: I think Filed um, mainly because they they can score goals. Um, one of Filed's biggest issues is that although they can score goals, is they've been conceding them too. Iniminsta. Have been fairly good def- defensively. They've had a lot of they've had a number of goalless draws at home, but they just can't find the net. And you can see by the the changes that Ross Penn's tried to make. Um, they brought Ben Tollett in on loan recently, uh, looking for goals there. Kieran Phillips, who they brought in as well from Gloucester, has gone to Havant, um, so he's obviously not somebody who, who they've assessed that he's not going to be able to deliver for them. Um, you know, they're going to be in a situation where they need to win matches, and you win matches by scoring goals. And, and I think that might be the biggest problem for them. And on that basis, I think that Fylde are the more likely to stay up out of the two.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And, and forgive my ignorance, and I should have found this out yesterday, but Ashley Hemmings, not even involved yesterday against Aldershot. Um, do we know any more about that?
2: No, I don't. I, I have actually- not in- no, I had a look through the, 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 the team sheet to see who'd actually featured for Kidderminster yesterday and noticed that he wasn't there. You know, they've got Bailey Hobson um, on loan from um, Chesterfield. Who Obviously, he's going to find it difficult to get in Chesterfield with the way they're going. Um, he's untested at National League level. He was certainly a good player at National League North level. Um, but, you know, um, Amari Morgan-Smith is probably one of the only players um, – uh, who, who's still featuring in the forward line, who came up with them. Jerry McDonough, they brought in. He's not really done it for them. Um, so, yeah, it, it, goal scoring is the issue. Um, but, yeah, Hemmings, he was such a talisman for them last season. And and the kind of player who's got the quality, you'd think that he would be able to make that step up. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know why he's not featuring at the moment. We'll have to um, dig a little more into that. But, um Yeah, they could do with somebody like him fit and firing, to be perfectly honest.
0: Yeah, to be continued. We'll try and follow up on that one in next week's pod. Um, That completes our review of the National League games. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us and for your insight, as always.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. We're going to look
0: now at the National League South. And uh, joining us this week in the absence of Joe Pope is Ben Parks from Chelmsford, the uh, press officer there. Uh, good to see you, Ben. How you doing?
5: Yeah, very good. Nice to be on. Um, okay. We're doing okay, Chelmsford, but I think we're we're probably a little bit underperforming. A lot of draws of late, which has been a bit frustrating, but a long unbeaten run, but a lot of draws. We'd like some of the draws to be wins.
0: That's it. Well, with all the ups and downs at Chelmsford over the years, I think uh, at least we've asked you to join us as Chelmsford sit just ever so slightly, just nestled into a a playoff place. But um, as we start our review of the National League South, for me, um, certainly from the outside looking in, I think there's only one place we can start yesterday, the outstanding result of the day. Um, And obviously it was a battle between two of the teams uh, above you at the moment. But uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough, in tremendous form of late. Five made Stone United also in great form of late to discuss. um, By the looks of it, Hampton uh, got on to a bit of a rip-roaring start, didn't they?
5: Yeah, so obviously Hampton had a bit of a problem at the start of the season, couldn't play many home games. Their pitch was being uh, redone, I think. But they've uh, started to play at home now and they're doing brilliantly at home. And They've got a lot of home games to play as well. They've only played six at home and 12 away. So out of, out of their home games, we've looked at the table there. So, And they've got Mason Bloomfield, who's uh, been a very good striker for the last few years in the National League and National League South. Now he have got a hat-trick and uh, they've got a strong defence. Dean Inman has uh, been there for many years. But Mel Gwinnett was really under pressure at the start of the season. It looked like he might have been on his way out, but all of a sudden, something like six wins in seven.
0: And we had uh, the photographer and former regular on the podcast, Tom Lang, on a couple of weeks ago um, talking about that incredible turnaround in form. Because the previous time he was on, as you say, the manager was under a lot of pressure um, of what looked like an underachieving side, you know, with uh, being a little bit more well back this season. Yeah, Hampton and and Richmond uh, roared into a two-goal lead. Maidstone got back level and this was all within the first half an hour, but uh, as you say, um, Hampton were undeterred and Bloomfield got himself that hat-trick. Um, what do you make of him as a striker? Because he's certainly been higher um, and it hasn't quite worked out for him once or twice at higher levels, but certainly he uh, he, he seems prolific at this level.
5: Yeah, we had him at Champs. I think he literally played one game for us or something. When he was about 18. He was a very physical player. I mean... Um, I mean, you obviously know Dave Winfield from um, all, all the shot, and now Chelmsford captain. So it, him and against Bloomfield was a big battle. And we played Farnborough last season when he was there, and we ended up beating Farnborough three-two in the last minute. But he scored both Farnborough's goals in that in that game, I think. So he was excellent last season. I think Hampton have done really well to get him. The other thing about Hampton as well, they're obviously going to help with their budget as well because their attendances are going through the roof, over 1,300 at the Beverie yesterday. So that's surely going to help their promotion push as well, the, the people through the door.
0: Yeah, absolutely. At the very top of the National League South, Yeovil um, probably had the banker home win of the day, didn't they, against Dover Athletic, other end of the table, out of form. But they had to be patient, and it was almost the hour mark before they took the lead. Ultimately, though, um, it was a 2 0 win for them, Ben. And I, I'm losing count. Is it 11 out of 11 or 12 out of 12?
5: <laughs> yeah, plus a couple of FA Cup wins in there as well. So, um, Chelmsford, I think the last time they dropped points was against Chelmsford, uh, when they scored a last minute equaliser against us at Hewish Park, and they've won every league game since, and that was in se- early September.
0: I wonder if they can keep that run going until they play you again. <laughs> I think we play them again in February.
5: So, yeah, very impressive. Um, but, yeah, through to the second round of the FA Cup as well. Fixture congestion might be an issue. They've, they've played less games, but they, obviously they've got a lead already. So, And the depth of their squad and the quality of their squad probably should see them through, really. Experience everywhere you look. They brought in Joe Day as a goalkeeper from Newport, um, and he's been very good. And I think it will be a short stay in this level for Yeovil.
0: It certainly looks that way, doesn't it? Uh, Cox at the double uh, for the Glovers on Saturday. Um, but beneath them, uh, Ben, the uh, sides in second and third place met, didn't they? Just tell us how that one worked out.
5: Yeah, Bath, who are uh, the top scorers in the league. Uh, surprisingly, uh, beat Aveley, who have been two promotions in two years under Danny Scopes and uh, they've been fighting above expectations and uh, yeah Cody Cook hat-trick two penalties in there I think it was but yeah him and Scott Wilson a, a good double act uh, up front a lot of sides are struggling with his score putting the ball in the net at the moment I think and uh, on a consistent basis and they've got two players that are doing that we've got Avely tomorrow night so uh in a big Monday night game, Charles said. So it's a, a sort of an Essex derby, not really one that we play very often, but <laughs> it'd be interesting to see that game tomorrow.
0: Um, Now, Bath got the win and that Cody Cook hat-trick was quite pertinent, really, wasn't it? Because another Bath City centre forward, who's had a tumultuous year, really, Um, he's he's gone, hasn't he?
1: Fletcher.
5: Yeah. I've just, yeah, Alex Fletcher obviously had that horrendous head injury where he, he crashed into the wall at, at Twerton Park last year. Um, he's made a brief comeback for Bath, but he's he's left them now and he's joined Western Super actually in the same division. Um, he's also doing some work with the PFA on head injuries and their their treatment. I think so. Um, he's moved on from Bath, but I'm sure you know, Bath obviously he's a special player in, in for them, and uh, hopefully he can get his. Footballing career on track at Western.
0: He wouldn't. He couldn't get it going yesterday because Western Supermares game against Worthing was called off. And before we get to your own side, Chelmsford Ben, um, let's discuss Torquay United. Um, Joe Pope sat here on this podcast within the last week or two, saying he's definitely got to go. Uh, Gary Johnson and um, Bradley Ash, formerly prolific at this level, has lost all confidence. I give you a talkie away win by two goals to nil, and a ninety plus five minute uh, goal to seal the game from Bradley Ash. Discuss.
5: Um, I'm not sure Joe would be happy with the performance, though. I have to say, I've, obviously, I know um, the Haven't media guy um, Josh Varokin, who used to be with Chumsed. So he, uh, I've seen the highlights of that game, and and Haven't were all over him in the first half. Torkey lucky to be in it. They've Ryan Seeger. Who uh, haven't have just brought in from Dorking missed a couple of very good chances. Talky scored, then haven't got a penalty, which James Roberts missed it was saved by the keeper. Uh, zanak had to go for that one. Had to go at that one, and yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, then Talky sealed it in the last minute. I think in a bit of a, a little bit of a smash and grab from Gary Johnson, who I think also got booked for coming on the pitch at one point after the penalty decision. So. Um, but I think it was obviously a much-needed win for Torquay.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And uh, 90 plus five, that goal, um, Ben, but uh, I I think you were watching a certain team that scored in 90 plus three yesterday to earn themselves a point, didn't you? Chelmsford two, Chippenham Town two. Uh, I've got to say, surely that's a point gain rather than two dropped when you score that late, isn't it?
5: Well... (laughs) It, look, it looks it from the outside, but the uh, the way the game went, it's frustrating that we didn't take all three. I mean, uh, Chippenham, um, we had a, a couple of chances before, and then Chippenham just broke down the left, got a free kick. It bounced around, and they headed it in through a young centre-back, Dan Ellison, who's got a couple of goals in two games now. Uh, Luke Jenkins equalised a chance from a, from a corner, a thumping header, who's excellent. Defender from uh, Wimbledon last season, been a, on loan at this level before, but he's with permanently with us now. So he's a real name to look out for. I think I'll be seeing him in playing in the in the level above bubble football league back again in in a year or two. And then the second half was just a constant uh, game of possession for champs But uh, it's the problem we've we've had a lot this season. We've had a lot of the ball and can't create the can't convert it into goals and chip it and broke away with their only sh- effort really of the second half and scored a, a great counter-attack to be found a great finish from Owen uh, Windsor and then we had a goal one cleared off the line and then we finally scored when uh, Craig Fassen made who'd only just come on as a substitute um, sort of almost turned in uh, it turned it in into his own net at the back post although Odie Alpha from us obviously we know you know, from Aldershot, he uh, got the sort of final touch, or we're giving it to him anyway.
0: Fair enough. Well done, Odie Alpha And uh, how's uh, Henry Ochiang settling back in at Chelmsford? You were gutted to lose him last year, but uh, his adventure at Aldershot didn't quite work out under the new management team uh, this season. But uh, uh, I guess Aldershot's loss is your game.
5: Yeah, he's just fitted straight back in. He loves it at, at Chelmsford he, when he was leaving all the shot he was sort of he, he he sought he sort of sought us out, phoned up Robbie Simpson and went, can I come back? And and Robbie was was happy with that and uh he's fitted in straight away and he, he you know it was his birthday yesterday actually, uh Henry, so happy birthday. Uh yeah happy birthday. And uh happy birthday. he didn't he got substituted off but when he's a sort of a holding midfield player. So we needed that equalizer. Um I think actually Odi Alpha come on for him. So it was a good move from uh, Robbie Simpson in the end. But he's settled in very well. He's a very, very steady player in the middle of the park. Does the simple things well and and is a good player.
0: Farnborough are just outside the playoff positions. They may have been in him if they had picked up all three points against Weymouth. But uh, Brandon Goodship with a first-half goal there. Canceled out in the second half. uh, A penalty from Ollie Pendlebury in that one. And uh, Hemel uh, sit uh, two or three places behind Farnborough. They had to wait till the 90th minute to see off Taunton Town. But uh, at the end of the day, when you tot up the points, they still get three for it. Mackenzie with the uh, 90th minute winner. Any word on either of those two games, Ben? Anything of note? Um,
5: I'm never sure what to make of Hemel Hempstead. Um, They sort of threatened to... Get somewhere, and then they 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 seem to always be in mid table, and it's it must be frustrating for their supporters. Um, they're quite low goal scores only, twenty one this season, so maybe that's their problem. And they've got Joe Yashofno up front, who scored quite a few for them. Yeah, Way Weymouth, that was a good point there. Away, away to Farmer, wasn't it? I think so. Um, yeah. Um, Brandon Goodship, obviously back there. Bit of a club legend, isn't he? So uh, a big point for for Bobby Wilkinson, I think, probably not had the impact that maybe Weymouth wanted when he took over.
0: Yeah, they sit uh, three points away from danger at the moment. So work in progress there under Bobby Wilkinson. Uh, Sandwiched between Farnborough and uh, uh, Hemel and Chippenham in the league, uh, just outside those playoff positions of Braintree Town. And that was one of the more surprising results of me yesterday. Uh, For me yesterday, Eastbourne Borough have been struggling a little bit this season and are really struggling for players right now. I think they scraped a bare 13 together. Um, And so to me, at least, from the outside looking in, Ben, their 3-1 win against Braintree Town yesterday was a bit of a surprise.
5: Yeah, big win because it's got very close at the bottom as that last couple of relegation places in Eastbourne were in in there and I don't think when they started going full-time at the start of the season that was where they planned on being at this stage um, and Braintree obviously again another side have been doing well especially at home it's the away formers letting them down they've only lost once at home and only won one away good to see former Chelsea Tom Blackwell on, on the score sheet for them
0: yeah great Gravitas with their win East Borough I had to get that one in because it was Gravita that got the uh, third and uh, conclusive goal in that one Dickie would be very disappointed in me if I didn't try and shoehorn in a bit of a pun around that one. Um, Truro and Dartford was also called off due to waterlogged pitch. That leaves us two more games. And they were five and seven goal thrillers. Uh, And uh, one of them resulted in an away win, and that was Tunbridge um, Angels away at St Albans. And another one registering after the 90 minutes in that one, Ben.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh well St Albans went in front. Sean Jeffers it used to be a running theme that he'd score every week on this programme, wasn't it? That but he'd only scored in one game in the league this season, which was against Chelmsford, where he got both goals against us um a former was he two spells he had with, with, with Chumpshead. Um but he scored a penalty yesterday for his third goal of the season. And they went two 0 up. And then Tunbridge come back 1-3-2. One, one, Jordan Greenwich got a couple. St. Albans very thing is with them. They're either, they either win or lose. They've only had one draw this season. So it's, uh, it's cut and dried for them this season, I suppose, their results. And and Tunbridge, again, um, get another win to sort of move themselves out of a little bit, maybe a bit of relegation problems. They would think yeah, that. they're
0: bang mid-table now in 14th Tunbridge. Uh, and they're seven points clear of the relegation positions and only three points off the playoffs. I think Hampton and Richmond, better than anybody, proved that uh, you could be just above those uh, relegation positions and with a few wins strung together, find yourselves in the playoffs. The sixth game, which involved a 90-plus goal yesterday, was also really, really crucial because it was Welling against uh, Scotty Davis's Slough, who... uh, Apart from getting a magnificent draw against uh, Grimsby in the FA Cup last week, then went out on Tuesday uh, just 48 hours later and got a 4-0 win against Truro. But on Saturday, it did prove to be one game too many in the end. um, At Welling, who've not been in great form and got a much-needed three points thanks to... uh, a ninety plus win, uh, one winner. And that 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 one toed and froed as well, didn't it? That game, Ben.
5: Yeah. Um I'd like to just look at the teams from yesterday and Scott Davis didn't play yesterday, which is quite rare. He was an unused substitute, so he was coaching from the sideline rather than the middle of the park as he as he normally does. But uh, yeah, um a real relegation six pointer, I suppose, already at this stage of the season. Both of those sides are in, in the drop zone, I think um and yeah it was a massive win for 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 welling especially a late winner um danny blaw um they've not won a lot they've only won two games all season in the league so any win um when you haven't won it many at all is, is is massive and and yeah it was a, it was a real topsy turvy battle it was sort of i think uh yeah, Welling were Welling two up, Slough got back to 2-2. Then it was 3-2, three all within a minute. And then it was half an hour where maybe both sides thought a point's going to be the case. And then it was uh, centre-back Taylor Curran uh, scored in the 91st minute. Danny Blore's celebration would have been one to, uh, to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. So uh, that uh, win pulls Welling level on points with Slough. Slough do sit on goal difference just outside the relegation positions. We wish, of course, all the very best to Slough in their replay this midweek against Grimsby. I'm sure Scotty Davis keeping himself nice and fresh at the age of, ooh, I'm going to guess here, 36, I think, Scotty. Still life in the old uh, dog yet, for sure. We know that from uh, last week's uh, achievements. But that wraps up the National League South. Thank you, Ben, for joining us. And and, and uh, listeners won't know this, but particularly at late notice today. And uh, we wish you and Chelmsford all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you, Rob. And uh, yeah, any time. We're going to take a look at the National League North. And Dickie, you've been waiting patiently in the background. It's time to review the National League North. And uh, I, I, I guess we probably ought to start with the... Uh, the league leaders, who've got a two-point uh, gap in their favour now from second place. And uh, to be fair, they're established, uh, you know, as a playoffs at least by nine clear points now. And that's Scunthorpe United, who saw off struggling Gloucester City.
2: Yeah, it, well, it went as you would imagine it would do. Uh, Scunthorpe coming out by winners by two goals to nil. Um, they also had a 2 nil win in midweek away at Banbury. Uh, they had goals from Jacob Butterfield and and Smith in that one, Connor Smith. Butterfield on target again yesterday. He got the first goal in the first half of that victory over Gloucester. Danny Whitehall. Um, he seems to score his goals late in the game, not so much this one, a 51st minute penalty to make that one fairly comfortable for Scunthorpe. And um, yeah, Yeah, they've got back into form again at just the right time, just as Tamworth, who have been our lead, is just starting to show signs of slipping a little bit.
0: Yeah, and uh, Tamworth were on track for a point, weren't they, at home to Banbury United, but uh, our old friend Mr 90 plus came along quite late, 90 plus seven this one, wasn't it? Banbury's winner.
2: Yes, it was. Yeah, uh, Banbury. Um all the goals in the second half in this game as well. Um uh, Banbury led in the seventy-second minute through um Adi Yusuf. Um much traveled striker. Jordan Cullen and LeBird, he was at Brackley last season, he equalised for Tamworth just four minutes later. But uh, yeah, then in the uh, uh, late, late in the game, in the seventh minute of injury time, Simeon May, uh, he spent time at Hereford, he's been at Leamington in the past, suffered a very bad injury when he was at Leamington, Um, moved to Banbury last season, scored his first ever goal for them with an injury time winner away at Tamworth to knock Tamworth um, off the top of the table.
0: And it was a really good day for Scunthorpe, wasn't it? Because the side in third place, South Shields, also slipped up. And that was also to a penalty way of improving Southport, Dickie. Uh Management changes earlier in the season. But following that win, they're just a point outside the playoffs.
2: They are. It's, it's a little bit all or nothing with Southport. And they had a dreadful run at the start of the season when they couldn't buy a win. Um, and then Jim Medley came in and they went on a tremendous run where um, every game... was a victory. They've had a little bit of a stutter of late, but they're getting back on the horse there. Um, Yeah, uh, South Shields did have a win in midweek. They beat Buxton, a Paul Blackett goal, got them points there. Southport had a tremendous three-all draw away at Blythe Spartans. They were 3-1 down at one point in that game. But um, I'm going to get his name right this week. Niall Watson, uh, the son of Southport director and former manager Liam, got a very late equaliser for them there to leave Blythe with a point. They got all three Yesterday it was a Declan Evans penalty in the 51st minute that gave them win over South Shields. And uh, yeah, after a, a, a difficult start for Southport, they uh, they're showing signs of, of of being strong. And you know, you look through that team, look at who the, some of the players they've got there. They brought Marcus Carver back to the club from from Scunthorpe. He's on loan for the season, um, and it, it looks a little bit like the they're getting, a, a, not exactly getting the band back together, but getting a, um, some of the former members involved again with some, with some good new talent.
0: Yeah, Spennymoor Town became the fourth side in the National League North this season to reach the 30 point mark. And they did so courtesy of another 1-0 win. There were five 1-0 wins in the National League North on Saturday. And that goal didn't come so late, did it? Fifteen minutes in, wasn't it, uh, for for More Town? Uh, Kings Lynn, who've been improving of late, they're they're out of the uh, relegation positions, but uh, they're still not far from danger, are they?
2: They're not. It was first um, actually first defeat in five for Kings Lynn since. Um... Uh, Adam Lakeland took over, they'd actually gone four games unbeaten into this one yesterday, but uh, Will Harris, he's been a, a good find for Spennymore, he joined them um, over the summer from Gateshead, um, he was on target, as you say, 15 minutes into that game, Spennymore had, had gone down to a 2-1 defeat in midweek to Curzon and Ashton so that was a bit of a blow for them, but they rebounded with a, an away win um, themselves yesterday to um, yeah, get back on the horse a
0: little now, uh, we talked earlier in the podcast about uh, how the four sides promoted to the National League uh, are getting on, and they're struggling, but it's been mixed fortunes for sides that have come up to the National League. North, Dickey, Warrington have been going OK, haven't they? And uh, they got another win on Saturday um, against another one of those promoted sides, Rush All olympic and I think it was uh, another late winner.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, Again, Rushall had found a good vein of form, but this was the third defeat um, on the bounce for for the picks. Um, uh, Danny Waldron was on target for them. He's been finding the net regularly and I think he'd be a good shout for the National League North um, Player of the Month for October. Um, He scored after five minutes, but there were two goals in the second half. And I had to read this very carefully. Um, Isaac bucketley Ricketts scored in the 49th minute, and then there was a goal from Jordan Buckley, another Buckley, I don't believe they're related, in the 90th minute. I think that's something like Warrington's fifth game uh, in a row without defeat. Oh, no, actually, they have one defeat in their last six, which was against Peterborough Sports. But other than that, it's three wins and two draws. So again, evidence that Warrington are um, bridging that gap to the division above quite successfully.
0: Yeah, from Buckley, from Buckety or Buckley, whoever, to Brackley. <laughs> uh, I couldn't resist. Uh, one all draw there. First half goal for Brackley against Blythe, who equalised uh, eight minutes from time from Hooper. So the the points shared there, much to uh, Brackley's frustration. Um, and Boston, well, they sit uh, uh, just a goal difference outside the playoffs following uh, a 1-0 victory against Hereford, who was on the score sheet there, Dickie.
2: Yeah, Jimmy Knowles got the, the Boston goal yesterday. Um, I think he was on loan possibly at Notts County, as I recall, um, maybe a season or two ago. Um, he scored uh, the goal there. Uh, much needed points there for Boston Ian Culverhouse. He went down to a 2 0 defeat to Farsley Celtic in midweek, which had some of their fans questioning um the, the model that they've gone to. They've gone to a hybrid model this season, which as you know is partway between semi professional and fully professional. They've got a very young squad. Um, I did see there's some great. Great footage as well of a, a, a save in the fifth minute of injury time from their goalkeeper, Cameron Gregory. He's been a good find for them that preserved all three points for them against Hereford yesterday. Otherwise, Hereford might have been looking at taking the spoils uh, or taking a share of the spoils there at least.
0: Yeah, two sides that uh, maintain their positions in the tightly condensed uh, playoff zone. I mean, I think going into Saturday's games, there was just four points between... 6th uh, and 20th in the National League North. Absolutely crazy. So many games into the season. But two sides that consolidated their positions in the playoffs with home wins were Chorley and Curzon. Chorley beat Peterborough Sports 2-0, a match notable for the fact that it was the first defeat in five or six games for Peterborough Sports, who'd uh, lifted themselves outside of the relegation positions. Uh, and the other game will come to you on, uh, on that one, Ben, because... Curzon Ashton needed a penalty to see off Bishop Stortford, who do find themselves in the relegation positions. Um, They are some six points from safety following uh, yesterday's games. And uh, it's still even 17, 18 games into the season just looks bizarre to me when I see Bishop Stortford in the National League North. Um, They're not even that far, really, from Chelmsford, are they? I mean, um, what do you make of it? And, uh, you know... It's not good for them is it? It's not looking good.
5: No. No, I mean um yeah it's about a half an hour drive from from Chelmsford bishop Stortford right by Stansted Airport isn't it? So if you think that's in the north then uh <laughs> uh it's quite bizarre isn't it? It's got a number of ex um National League South players that I know and 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 ex chelmsford players that are there because obviously the manager used to be involved with with chelmsford. Obviously they they've struggled to recruit players because of the long travelling and and you know the away days on a Tuesday, you could be playing at, at South Shields or for if there's a postponement or you know Warrington and long four hour journeys on a Tuesday, which is unworkable for semi professional players. Really. It's a hard season for Bishop's Waltham. They didn't want to be in the league. Um, they appealed, didn't they? But they, they obviously were in it a number of years ago, about 10 years ago now, weren't they? They're in the National League North. And uh, they did stay up for a season or two, but it's it's hard graph for them. And they've only drawn one away game and lost the other eight. So it's on their
0: travels, it's hard. So they got previous Bishop Stortford in the National League North. But uh, they find themselves in those bottom four positions. So, too, um, of course, Dickie did Darlington. They've been there for quite some time, but a little bit of revival on the cards. Uh, a change in fortunes on Saturday.
2: Yeah, indeed. Uh, if you look at Darlington recently, actually, there, there's, um, yeah, there are still defeats in there, but they've uh, a draw against Blythe, they beat Farsley Celtic. Probably their best, well, not probably, definitely their best result under Josh Gowling so far. Um, A 3-2 win over Chester yesterday, whether Chester have got their FA Cup replay against York City on their minds a little bit because if they come through that one, their their next game in the FA Cup will be live on the BBC. Joel Taylor owned goal, had uh, Darlington ahead in the 18th minute. Then Craig Solkeld in the 39th minute, and a goal just on the stroke of half-time from Johnny Nagandu had them 3-0 up. Tom Piers, he's a recent arrival at Chester, that was his first goal back of the club since his move from Macclesfield, got them on the board. George Glendon, the captain, excellent player, he got Chester. Properly back into the game in the 70th minute, 3-2. But Darlington held on for three vital points there. As There's still a lot of work to do there for Josh Gowling, but that win will give them a lot of heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry I don't know, I, I think you tipped to be in the playoffs this season, but uh, I mean, they're not far away. They're two points, but uh, six or seven places away, Buxton. Um, they came unstuck against a, a, a much improved Farsley Celtic side. In recent weeks, who who who've now pulled five points clear of trouble, uh, thanks to their win um, at Buxton.
2: Yeah, indeed, and and um, I suppose uh, how often do we talk about Buxton? We talk about Diego Di Geralomo, about the you know the 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 figure, the cult figure that he is uh, at Buxton. He got the home side on the board yesterday in the thirty-second minute, and things were looking good for them, um, but then there were goals before half-time in the 44th and 45th minute, really. Farsley um, landing a couple of sucker punches to go in two at uh, the interval through Darren Stevenson and Ryan Watson. De Girolamo then got himself sent off a straight red card in the 53rd minute, and Buxton were going to have to try and overcome that deficit with just 10 men. They weren't able to do so. Connor Branson... Did pick up a red card for the visitors, Farsley in the 88th minute, a second yellow card there for him, but that didn't come early enough in the game to to make any difference to the the way it ended. And yeah, Farsley uh, coming away with a 2 1 win, following up their 2 0 win in midweek. So a couple of wins on the bounce for them and a couple of defeats in a row for Buxton as well.
0: Yeah, and one final game uh, to cover. Alfreton started the day in a playoff position, finished it as well, but. Uh... They didn't pick up any points on the day. Um, A cracking win for Scarborough, who uh, move up to 23 points. I think there must be about six or seven teams on 23 points there, thanks to uh, goals from Mulhern, Green and Colville. And and that pretty much wraps up the National League North and our pod uh, today. Thank you very much for tuning in, listeners. Uh, Thank you very much to Ben and, and to you, Dickie. You're very welcome. Good stuff. Uh, Have a good footballing week, everybody.